0: But we did uh, discuss that there's a need to build a bigger sanctuary in order for us to continue to grow. And we decided the best way to take this step of faith was to preach the vision and then give everyone the opportunity to get involved through what we're going to call faith promises. In case you don't know, it's on your bulletin. The vision of Cornerstone Assembly of God is stated as such. Cornerstone Assembly of God strives to be a life Saving Station of Healthy Disciples Fulfilling the Great Commission. What that looks like is what I've been calling a harbor of hope, which is today's title and the focus of this building campaign, building together a harbor of hope. I tweeted this out a couple days ago. Vision is a very powerful intangible. With it, men can conquer the world, but without it, man can't even conquer himself. It's important to know what the vision is, not only of what you're a part of, especially if you're part of the body of Christ, what the vision is for this church right here now, but also a vision for your life. You need to have a vision, a heavenly vision for your life. P.K. Bernard said, "A man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past." Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people will cast off all restraint. They have no reason to whatever. It's a whatever world without vision." Vision is the bridge between the present and the future. Oswald Chambers says, Ah, but a man's reach should exceed his grasp, or what's a heaven for? Where there is no vision. When once we lose sight of God, we begin to be reckless, we cast off restraint, we cast off praying. We cast off the vision of God in little things. And we begin to act on our own initiative. If we are eating what we have out of our own hand, doing things on our own, without expecting God to come in, we are on the downward path. We have lost the vision. Is our attitude today an attitude that springs from our vision of God? Are we expecting God to do greater things than he has ever done before. Read with me in Habakkuk, where you've already found that, right? In your Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2. In verse 2 through 3, Then the Lord replied, Write down the vision. And make it plain, make it simple so that anyone who sees it may run with it. For the vision awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Keep the vision before your eyes, so that anyone who sees it May run with it. So you can run with it. Have you ever asked this question? Or has anybody asked you this question? Especially when you're working around the church. Why are you doing fill in the blank? Why am I cleaning the bathroom? Why am I working in the nursery? With kids that aren't even mine. Why am I coming on Thursday night to hear a bunch of teenagers scream and yell and leave and act like I didn't just give up my whole evening here? Why am I? The answer to this question must be with vision. Otherwise, you are in danger of burnout and a purposeless existence. You must be able to answer that question or whatever question why do you go to work? Get a paycheck Mm, Where's the vision in that where's the heavenly vision in that? Why are you whatever Find a heavenly vision in what you do in your life There is an old story about three bricklayers, and I know I've shared this story here with you before, but it is so good, that illustrates what it looks like when people receive the motivation from taking ownership of a vision. There were three bricklayers working beside each other on a wall. Someone came up to the first one and said, hey, what are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing, he retorted. I'm laying bricks. The man asked the next guy on the wall, Hey, what are you doing? Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm building a wall. And then the man went to the third bricklayer, asked the same question. And he exclaimed, Can't you see? I'm building a great cathedral. all in the vision. What are you doing? What are we doing? When you come here on Sunday morning, why do you come? Why do we work all week long to open up the doors to make sure the lights are on, to have the right people at the right time do the right thing so that the right song is playing so the lights are just right, the temperature, well, it's warm enough. Let's just say that. Today, why do we do those things? There's got to be a heavenly vision to what we do, or we just, like I've said before, become that hamster on the wheel of life and it just goes round and round and round and doesn't go anywhere. That is not what man was created for. Vision gives pain. A purpose. Most people don't like their jobs. Most people don't like clocking in, going over and working their job, whatever it is, and then clocking out and have just enough time to go home, to shove some food in their face, fall asleep on their couch before their spouse wakes them up and sends them to bed to go to sleep, to wake up, to get back to work, to punch in. But vision gives pain a purpose. See, there's a difference between those three bricklayers. The one on the end knew every brick was building a cathedral, and he was a part of that. He had purpose to his pain. Without, those without vision spend their lives taking the path of least resistance as they try to avoid discomfort. That's their main purpose in life. Just don't want to be uncomfortable. They are content with the status quo. Complacency is their day in and day out. Without vision, there is no purpose. Working, sleeping, eating, paying the bills. That's all life is for. Vision separates the small from the great. The ordinary from the extraordinary. Vision. The only way to be obedient to the heavenly vision is to give our best to see God's best And this can only be done as we continually, resolutely focus on the vision. The test, though, is in the 60 minutes of every hour. The 60 seconds in every minute, the 60 minutes in every hour, the every day in, day out. That's where the test is. It's not in the extraordinary times but it's in the ordinary times. The church must become a harbor of hope to reach the vision of being a life-saving station of healthy disciples fulfilling the Great Commission. And if I could say it any other way, a harbor of hope, and we've talked it, we've preached it, um, and we'll continue to preach it over and over again, is more like a hospital that includes training and equipping and empowering and resources and family that can encourage you and inspire you that can heal up your wounds when you get wounded that can train you up fill you up encourage you again send you back out there for you to do what you're supposed to do and then you grab some more people and you bring them in here and we Work on them people and get them, give them hope and vision and purpose for life and, you know, help them in their walk with the Lord. And as you're going back out there again, it's a place where hope is manifested. Because without hope, people can't even see the vision. If they have no hope, they can't even see the vision. Everything we do must be bathed in the hope of salvation for all, the hope of restoration for all, the hope of healing for all, and the hope of discipling for all. And we all must be doing our part. I mean, if we want to think of this like a hospital. Could you imagine going to get a job at a hospital and them saying, okay, what are you coming to apply for? Just to sit here. I just want to sit here. Give me the little name tag. I just want to sit here. There's people that are sick around you. There are people in these conference rooms that need training. There's a cafeteria downstairs that needs somebody to serve food, and you want to just sit? There's something for everyone to do. We all must be doing our part. C.S. Lewis says the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little Christs. If we are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself is simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 6. Yeah, that's toward the back of the book. Or your you version. Easy to get to. Hebrews chapter 6. Let me show you What being a harbor of hope can do. Hebrews chapter 6, starting with verse 10. says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. And look down at verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor. For the soul, firm and secure. It, what's it? Hope. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Hope. Hope. God says when you help those, you're helping me. You're doing it unto me. You need to give hope. You need to extend hope. We need to be a place that loves on people, helps people, continues to help them with diligence. Not becoming lazy, but imitating with faith and patience. A tenacity that will not quit. A vision that doesn't give up. That. Hope is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. God said, I will not forget the work that you do for me, that you've shown me by how you help others. As we continue with diligent What we hope for will be fully realized. As we work hard with faith and patience, we will have what has been promised. This hope will be an anchor for our souls. This hope will usher us into the inner sanctuary with Jesus. This hope. We need to become that harbor of hope. We built this lighthouse up on the stage back at Easter time because of the many things that have been prophesied here at Cornerstone. And before I ever heard any of them, the first weekend that I pulled up here last March to begin um, working here part-time and helping Pastor Neil and Deborah, as I was driving up, I saw a huge lighthouse setting out here on the property and this beacon of light shining bright. And I just had within me a, a knowledge that it was calling people from all over, from Benzie County and beyond. And they were coming in, coming here to a harbor of hope that it was when i pulled into the driveway i saw as far back as i could see nothing more than what i could explain as a a campus of buildings all over that housed not only ministers but leaders and people who are just coming into the faith who are just being discipled and released and trained equipped that there was a uh, healing homes there was you know, it, marriages being restored. I just, there was an instant knowledge of everything that was working here. And that people, like I said, not only from Benzie County, but from around the world were coming here to get trained, equipped, restored, refreshed, built back up again to be sent back out again. And I pulled in and I'm like, well, that was weird. But I kept it to myself. And over and over again, people kept pulling me aside hey, do you know what's been prophesied here? Hey, have you? can I share with you? And over and over again. And I even remember sitting with Pastor Neil and Deborah in the office, and I said, please don't think I'm one of those weirdos. But I saw, and I shared with him, and he was like all excited. That's what I've been seeing here. And this is just completely off the cuff i could point you out and i could make you stand up but how many has heard a vision a prophecy in a prayer in a dream or in themselves or somebody else spoke it to you that this would be a lighthouse or a harbor of hope stand up right where you're at turn around and look thank you thank you you can sit down over and over and over i keep hearing it and then when i was in the office going through some files i found a blue folder and it was from what's called a a, a sister web back in 1983 she wrote this down it's in her handwriting And it said, this is the prophecy to Cornerstone. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, this church will be an oasis in the desert land. People will come and find rest and confidence. I will pour my spirit out in this place. The weary souls shall find peace and contentment For I will be with them who are of a broken and contrite heart. I will revive the lowly in heart, and I will cause praise on the lips of those who mourn. The theme of the prophecy was that the church would be an oasis in the desert. And I continue to stress this over and over and over again. She also said that people from all walks of life would come to this church and be set free. Over and over again, it's being prophesied. It has been spoken of, and I believe we're on the precipice of, right on the edge of, God breaking open. Um, Amy shared with me, I think it was, yeah, it was the weekend before Easter, that there was, did you say a missionary that came in? And spoke that this will be a lighthouse. This is called to be. This house is called to be a lighthouse. But we've stayed boarded up too long. And it's time to let the light shine. They'll see the light and they'll come in. We have to prepare a place. And I've shared this with I I can't remember if I shared it from the pulpit or from the business meeting, but as of the last few months, I've walked around like a pregnant woman ready to give birth, that there is a time we have to hurry up, we have to prepare that this is the time that all these prophecies are going to be fulfilled. But we have to be the ones that pick up the hammer, put the hammer to the nail, and start building the place. Because they're coming in, they're coming in, they're coming in. And we have to get ready. We have to prepare the room, prepare the place, because they're coming in. We'll never realize what God has planned for us if we don't factor God into our plans. We have to stop just doing what we know we can do. I mean, when my human mind that's been through accounting, it's been through bookkeeping, it's you know all this business type and marketing type stuff, when my business mind sits down with an empty piece of paper and a pen and starts trying to factor in how's all this going to happen, I have no earthly idea. I'm looking around. I wonder if there's a... I don't see that happening. There is no earthly way that we can do this. But we are not called to an earthly vision. We are called to a heavenly vision. And God says, I've got all the resources you need. All we need to do is pick up the hammer and start working. But everyone has a hammer that they have to pick up. Over and over again, you'll see that the greatest miracles happen not because of equal gifts, but because of equal sacrifice. That one's called to stand here at the pulpit, but maybe you're called to hand out a cup of coffee. Maybe you're called to sit in a classroom to train new believers. Maybe you're called To be up here to pray for the ones that are coming in, hurt, broken, sick. Equal sacrifices, not equal gifts. It means just like Pastor Neil said this morning at the offering, whatever God has placed in your hand, he's asking you, do you trust me with it? Because if you open it back up to him, he'll multiply it. So that fifty a week can turn into a tithe of a million dollars. I used to think that it would be harder to give a bigger tithe check or a bigger offering check or whatever you want to call it. I thought it would be harder. It's awesome. It's awesome to be able to Return back to God because it's just a reflection of what he's already blessed us with. I mean, if the tithe, which is just, it just means 10%, and we're supposed to return that first portion, that means you've already got the 90%. He's just saying, just open up your hand with that 10% and watch what I can do. So it's not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice that we all have have a part to play. How is this vision going to be realized? When we all pick up our own hammer and do our part. I shared this on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Every element of our own self-reliance must be put to death by the power of God. The moment we recognize our complete weakness and our dependence upon Him, Will be the very moment that the Spirit of God will exhibit His power. What did Oswald Chambers say? What's there a heaven for? If we can't look beyond what we can do, where's God needed? If we can't dream bigger than what we can do? If we only do what we can do, what's there a heaven for? my challenge for you and myself. Let's stop just doing what we can do and step into what only God can do. Are we not supposed to reflect the very image of God? God is not contained into what we can do. He said, let me out of that little box. Do you want me to sing that little box song again? Nope. Quit! give you the hand. No. No. But to take him out of the box and let him be God. So start believing. Stop it. I'm not going to sing the song. Start believing what he can do through you. But you have to allow him to do what only he can do. Stop thinking about what you can do and start thinking. Step into, start believing into things that only God can do. So here it is. Everyone at the special business meeting agreed unanimously that we need a bigger sanctuary and we need a more secure area for the children. Uh, We learned, we went to a couple churches. I took a handful with me and we went and visited a couple churches in the area here who just recently done um, uh, new additions for sanctuaries and found out that our um, rule, we thought, was the 80% rule. I've said it before. You've heard Pastor Neil say it, that people, once they walk into a sanctuary, if it's 80% full, they're not staying, they're not returning. It's too crowded. Forget it. Um, That's not for rural areas. Rural areas, the rule is 60%. So look around. If our church's sanctuary is 60% full, we won't have new visitors stay. They'll come in, look around, too crowded, people are too close, I'm finding a bigger church. Rural areas. We come to the country area to spread out. We need, in order... and. Both these churches said that the minute that they opened their new building, their new addition, which both of them was twice as many, right? They built twice as big as what they were housing. And the minute that they built it, they said people came out of their woodwork and the one lady way out in the middle of nowhere, she says, we don't even know where these people came from. But they were immediately to capacity again. As a matter of fact, that church had a, started immediately building a balcony to give them 300 more seats. The other church that we talked to, they're already in the next... They just finished this one, and now they're already into a next building phase because they'll keep coming. Now, there's one thing that we stressed in the um, business meeting and we've talked about in the deacon meeting that, you know, why? I, I mean... The handful I took to these churches, we sat down for coffee afterward, and I said, Okay, I wanna know why. Why would people who've never attended the church before see a new building addition and say, Oh, now I'll attend? Well, think about it. How long is this building, besides the cafe, you know, and the connection that you did, when people drive by Cinder Road, what do they see? Same church. So if you were to never have been inside here and know how much life and vitality and God's blessings and miracle and power that's inside you, if you only drove up and down this road, you'd look over there and say, oh, isn't that cute? Some four and no more inside there. But when you see something building outside, a new addition, you're like, wait a minute, something's going on there. And that's what these two churches agreed. People, most of the time, will just come because there's something new, something bigger, something's happening. There must be health. There must be life there. They must want people to come. And then they start attending. We decided that if we don't move forward with this new building phase, we will stop growing. We know that, and we will. If a church isn't growing, it is. Dying. Yeah. That if we want to grow, if we want to continue to grow, and I told you this before you all voted me in, that I, my passion, which should be, you know, all of our passions as a Christian, is more about going out and bringing them in than it is about just making sure you're happy and comfortable. Because once you're in the boat, you're fine. My attention's not on you. It, in, I say that loosely, I really do, because, I mean, I have moments and times and days I have to encourage myself all the time. I'm not saying I'm just going to turn my nose to you or nose up at you, but I'm saying our focus should be back to back in a cadre, a band of brothers and sisters that say that we're fighting together. But our mission, our focus, our passion, our reason for being is to go out and reach them and bring them in. Get healed, built up, restored, discipled, lock in arms with them, and going out again. That's the reason. But we have to have a place. We have to have room. We have to have. So my focus is I know right now it's all about, you know, building the building and let's get in the place and let's get this already to receive the people in but the building has to be known as a tool and not a trophy because the minute that we look at and say look how beautiful everything is we turn inward and now the burn on the carpet is more important than the person sitting in the chair sorry Danny, i threw you under the bus again it's just a tool now, do, are we responsible? Absolutely, to be good stewards of the resources God has given us. You'll hear me say that over and over and over and over again. Yes, but it's not a trophy. It's a tool. So there is a focus to that mission that we have to keep in line with the vision that we are to be a harbor of hope. Our vision is to be a life-saving station of healthy disciples fulfilling the Great Commission. So here it is. Um, what we did, and it's going to kind of feel like a little bit of a business meeting, um, at the end of that special business meeting, or at the beginning, I don't remember, we put up these slides to show you what we're looking at right now. Um down there at the bottom you'll see that's the sanctuary current youth room um, the little house part that we have out there the hallway going up but what we're looking at is a 60 by 120 addition that will house close to 275 seats right now we're at 150 i think it's close to 150 um so almost double almost double in this area To be able to build a sanctuary without having to put in the sprinkler system, which is a lot of money, we have to keep it below 299. We have to be at 299 seats and below. So even if we could fit 300, we have 299.9 seats. Put set on the floor right there. No seat for you. Two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and then there, you know, of course, this is just, I mean, seriously, this was just me on my computer just kind of drawing something out here because it's not to scale. The What the board and I have been looking at um, is a lot more to scale. There's a little wall there. There's a divider. But there would be a door right there. So the kids' classroom area, the children's worship area, the nursery, would all be, um, you have to check them in. You'd actually come up to a an area, and it would check in so that nobody could get back there that wasn't a worker. Um, At the end there, it would be an emergency exit only. There's no way to get to the kids without going through the check-in area. And in rural areas, over and over again, and I get these emails from our insurance company all the time of reminders how churches need to be more security-minded, especially in the children's wings but also in the sanctuary and in other areas, um, rural areas are getting hit harder um, because we're so open and loving and, you know, family-oriented and everybody, oh, you can go anywhere. And then next thing you know, little Johnny is gone and Amber Alerts are ringing in everybody's phone. Oh, don't say Johnny. Oh, sorry. I know there was this movie that came out when my oldest boy, Isaiah, was... I don't know, four or five. And it was called Losing Isaiah. And I'm like, I'll never watch that movie. And I didn't. I mean, the commercials alone is like, Losing Isaiah. No, anyway, sorry. Focus. So this is what we're we're looking at. It will give us a sanctuary, bigger sanctuary area. It will give us a more secure children's area. And what we're looking at and working hand-in-hand with Tammy, who's back with the children today. Um, The end of June, she graduates with all the um, credentials, whatever you want to call it, to be a daycare director. So we want to run, and we ask Fresh Winds, who's right here in this area, is there a need for a daycare in this area? And yes was the response. He's constantly getting calls, you know, do they have a daycare, which they don't. And could they refer them to a daycare? So right here, during the week, we could run a daycare that could help pay for some staff (laughs) Um, and give us opportunity into families' lives by loving on their kids and being able to bring them in and they walk around and see, oh, the ceiling doesn't cave in when I step into the building, you know? I had a boss one time. I worked for a couple builders who were just, they were bad, bad, bad men but finally got them to come to church with me. And the whole time, Mark kept looking up. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, you think these beams are going to hold? I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I always told my wife if I ever stepped into church, I know the whole thing would cave in on me because God couldn't stand where I was. I'm like, oh, no, buddy, you're okay. And then i looked, around. we're okay. Um but people when they come in to feel welcome to feel love to feel you know the harbor of hope um, now what we were guessing it would cost to build that um, is a little bit more than we were hoping for but when they because I asked their opinion I mean both these churches just went through an you know, addition, and what do you think if we're looking at a 60 by 120 about how much finished, you know, and um, came in twice as much than what we thought. And Pastor Neil's like, yes! I'm like, dude, why are you so excited over that? <laughs> this is not an exciting time right now. Twice as much. The calc- I can hear the little t- 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 in my brain going off. And he's like, yes! I'm like, why are you so encouraged? He said, do you know when we put in that cafe, that the area out there? They told us it was going to be 75000 We did it for half. So he was encouraged. See, I told you. Knew it. We can do this for half. But amongst the clicking in my head, I hear, of the, you know, calculator, I got to tell you that the, what they said to us was that it's probably going to be close to $300,000 to complete a 60 by 120. We are believing that we can do that for half. But we have to plan for the three. And then, hey, then we can just pocket the other 150. No, I mean, then we can look into, you know, the next, nobody pockets it. Just, I mean, I've heard some weird things before. Somebody actually came to me and said, what do you do with all that tithe and offering money? I said, what do you mean? Well, that all goes right to you, right? <laughs> oh, hello. Find that in the policy. I want to read that one. No, no, I'm sorry. No, if if it comes in, if we're planning for 300 and it comes in and we can complete this for 150 dear Lord Jesus, that'd be wonderful. Then, you know, it's not that somebody gets to pocket that money. It just stays in the building fund and goes toward the next phase, the next phase, and... You know, okay. So just to get that cloud erased. Um, right now, as of today, we have just over thirty-six thousand dollars in the building fund. Um, we did talk to a loan officer, and we could easily get a loan for seventy-five, which would give us just over a hundred and ten, a hundred and eleven thousand dollars that could frame that and rough that and give us a the studded walls, the elect run the electric and everything so that it's up. Um, because again, the minute that people see, you know, there's help, there's a new addition, there's something, and I don't know about you, but I can give more and oh gosh, this sounds horrible. But I like giving to something I see working. I know that sounds horrible. Doesn't that? Sound? Okay, cuz there is face faith in it, but there's also, I think it encourages, okay, let me say it that way, it's nice to see that it's going, but anyway, um, so what we agreed on at that little business meeting is that we want everyone to be able to pick up their hammer and to get involved in taking ownership of this vision. I mean, if you're here, and I'm looking around, and there's only a couple faces that I didn't see at this special business meeting anyway, that everybody was just in unity, that this is it. This is where we're going, you know. You saw the people stand up, that this is what, you know, this is it. Here we are. Um, so what I have did is I asked the ushers to help me hand out right now these faith promise cards. And let me explain to you. Real quick, a faith promise is not a pledge. It's not a commitment to like a, a bill, like a one of the phone plans, you know, where now I'm locked in for a year, you know, and I can't get out, early termination fee, you know, all that other little fine print. That's not it. A faith promise, number one, helps put a number to your faith because if you don't write it down, how are you ever going to know when God showed up? Well, I'm just giving when I give when I feel like giving. Remember, we, we're moved by faith. We're not moved by feelings. We're moved by faith and taking a step of faith. But that also helps when we collect those next week. That helps the board to be able to say this is how much the congregation is behind what we're about ready to step out and do. And this is what, if they have the faith for this, we have the faith for this. And let me say that I gave this challenge back to the board a couple weeks ago when we decided this is what we're gonna do. And I said, Okay, I want to hear what your faith promises. So to each one of the board members and the, you know, Pastor Denny and well, yeah, Amy and Tammy, the the um Other pastors. I told them I want to be able to share that total amount with the church to let them know how much we believe in what God is calling us to do. So just in that handful, we're committing to over twenty thousand it's twenty one thousand five hundred dollars. Not equal gifts, equal sacrifice. Equal faith that when we believe in only what God can do, he'll show up. Let's see, if we only believe in what we can do, why does he need to show up? So what we're asking you to do is take this faith promise card home. If you have a spouse, talk to your spouse. Pray, talk to your spouse. Pray some more. Talk to your spouse. And come up with a number that not just you can do. Otherwise, where's God in that? But in a way that stretches your faith, that you can say, God, I will, and that's what the faith promise means. God, I will be faithful to what you put in my hand, but I'm asking you to show up to multiply. Show up to multiply. And that when these seeds start coming in, we'll continue to pray, God multiply, God multiply, God multiply. Because we believe that we have a God of more than enough. And everything we need to build this harbor of hope, this cornerstone campus, God already has all the resources for. It's just as the old man once said, it's just in your pocket." have all the money we need it's just in your pocket no I'm just but it needs to be believed for it needs to be sown we need to take the seed that God's given us and sow it believe and keep stepping forth so next week bring back and if you're not sorry if you're not married get with your heavenly father and let him speak to you And give you an amount. And then bring those faith promise cards back next week. We're going to collect up that portion. You'll see they're perforated. So you get to keep one. Put it on your refrigerator, your mirror, whatever you visit more. Your refrigerator or your mirror. So it's right before your face all the time. Yeah, tape it to your steering wheel if you're always in your car, wherever. No, no texting and driving. Um, Bring those back. Next week I'm going to preach uh, part two of the vision um, building a harbor of hope through unity uh, and then we're going to collect those we're also asking for you to bring a seed whatever it is if it's a, a tithe of what you're promising for the next year whatever it is let God tell you an amount to bring back and we're going to at the end of the service collect all those faith promise cards, and there's going to be a bucket in here, basket, whatever, that just, we're going to call it a Miracle Sunday offering. That we're can, we can start building. I'd like to see ground broke by next month so that we're getting a building up and finished and ready for the fall. So that by the fall, we can be in the new sanctuary, that child care can be running for the school year. I need you to pray for vision, not only for the church here to be realized, but for your own life. Because we need vision-filled Christians to fulfill the vision for this church. We need you to be praying for that step of faith you're going to be taking. And we need you to trust in God to do what only God can do. So at the close, let me pray with you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have called this church to such a place that we can't do it on our own. I love that you are such a big God and you call us to dream big because you have big dreams for us. But, Lord, you don't leave us alone. You don't don't let us try to fend for ourselves, but you're, you're standing there just at the edge of your seat, just waiting for us to ask you. And so, God, right now together we ask you, Lord, let it be according to your plan, according to your purpose, according to your vision for this place, for this church, for this time. Let it be realized now. In Jesus' name, let the resources come in that we need. Every finance, every individual, every family, everything that needs God to just come in. Let it be released now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would begin to pick up our hammer, do our part, do our part, and begin to build this harbor of hope you're calling us to be. That this lighthouse will be built and this light will shine forth. God calling not only all of Benzie County, but people from around the world to be refreshed and restored, equipped, built up and sent out. Lord, let us be all that you've dreamed for us to be in our personal lives and as a body of believers, as cornerstone, assembly of God. Let it be, let it be. Before I can let you go, I just feel a real burden to pray for you if you're sitting in here today and you've had one of those purposeless Christian lives. Seems like you're just caught up in the rat race right now or the hamster wheel of life and day in, day out doing the same thing and. Always thinking, well, one day or only if. And I just feel like a word for you today is today's the day. Stop waiting for the what ifs or the whens. And the word is it's now. God, I pray that just heaven right now. Heaven's hope would begin to illuminate in the hearts of all these people. That you would begin to breathe in a, a fresh anointing, a vision. That would fan the flame within each and every one of us. God, that wherever you have us, whatever occupation, whatever home life, whatever situation we're in, we would begin to do it with purpose, with a heavenly vision. God, that the ordinary would be turned into extraordinary, that our natural would be turned into your supernatural, because, Lord, we're getting a glimpse of a heavenly vision for our life and for this church, God. God, and we're beginning to take those steps of faith right where we're at. God, that we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll step out here. We'll do this. Knowing and trusting you'll do that. You'll do your part. We'll do our part. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. These chains of complacency are being broke right now in Jesus' name. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Christians, just keep praying for that. Keep praying for that. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your word for today is today. Today Today's your day to begin that new relationship or that restored relationship. Maybe you had one before and for whatever reason you just started doing life on your own. And he is calling you back today. He's whispering your name. He's been waiting for you. He's calling out your name and all you have to do is call out his name and he's right there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If That's you today and you want to begin a new relationship with Jesus with nobody else looking around, but I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand so that I can see it. I see your hand. Yeah. He's calling your name right now. Yeah. I see your hand. All you have to do is call out to him and he's right there. Right there. Jesus, Jesus, it's been called the great exchange that you lay down everything that you've done and pick up everything that he died for you to have, what you deserve. <sighs> My life before Christ, I deserve death. I deserved oh. I deserve punishment. And he said, if you just give that to me, I'll give you what I, I died for you to have. Freedom, life, restoration, hope. Just call out to him, Jesus. I accept. I accept. Everything you died for me to have. Forgiveness. God, because I cry out right now for it. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for doing life on my own. Forgive me for my sins, my failures, my weaknesses. Wash me clean. Give me new life today. I commit to live the rest of my life to honor your name, to honor your sacrifice, With all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I live for you, for your glory. God, I pray for all these today, Lord, whether they just began a new relationship with you. Or, Father, maybe they're beginning to feel that hope, that heavenly hope. begin to stir within them and give them that vision again for their life, a heavenly vision again for their life, for their home, and for this church, God. We all have a part to play, and you've called us all. You've not only called us, you've equipped us, and you've given us everything we need to complete everything you're calling us to do. Thank you, God. It is not because something we deserve, but it's everything, everything that you have, your your resources, heaven's resources. And all we have to do is reach our hand out to you and take hold of it. I pray that right now we're pulling heaven into our reality. Right now. Let today mark the day that this harbor of hope Began to be built. We continue to just cover it in prayer. And so, what I want to do, let's. Can I get Amy or the worship team to come back up? I want us to come up to the altar as a body, and I want us to begin to just pray out this into fruition. That we are beginning to call down, God, the resources that we need to begin this building. That we're calling down what we need, the people that we need. The people that are in this room to be encouraged, built up, edified, filled up so that they can do what they need to do. So if you've come in today and you need prayer, I want you to make sure you grab a hold of somebody. The prayer team's wearing these lanyards. And that you grab a hold of somebody wearing a lanyard so that they can pray with you. But otherwise, if you're in here, you're filled, you're full, you're ready to press in. Let's come up to the front here and let's just do that. Let's reach in to heaven's resources and pull it in before we leave today. We need God to show up. To begin to take this step of faith. God, you know what needs to be done here. And God, we don't want to do anything outside of your will, outside of your plans, outside of your vision. But God, we want to be faithful and obedient and diligent to completing the heavenly vision you have for here, for Cornerstone Assembly. God, help us take the steps of faith we need to take. To not be so wrapped up in what we can do, but to be open and faithful. And to factoring you into these plans. God, they're your plans so that we're making room for you to show up. you have everything we need to do what you're calling us to do. So God, together as a body, we're just calling on you today. Bring it in, Lord. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in, Lord. Bring it in. From the finances to the families, to the broken, to the hurt, to the lost. Bring them in, Lord, bring them in. The day of Pentecost, fill us, fill us fresh, new, fill us, Lord, your power to be the harbor of hope you're calling us to be, to be your witnesses, to be the light of Christ.